he put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Amen. Friends, uh, will you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, as we come to your word now, we ask that you would speak to us, that you would make yourself clear to us. And Father, I ask for your Holy Spirit to descend upon every single one of us. Father, I pray for a wise hearing. I pray Father, that by your spirit, you would do a work in us that needs doing. Will you tailor your work uh, to every single person who's listening right now? And will you tailor your work uh, to what it is that you want to accomplish in our community? So, Father, we uh, open ourselves to you, thanking you even for the ability to listen to you. And we ask that you would speak and that every obstacle to hearing your word would be overcome. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, everyone. Well, hello. Um, please turn in your service sheets or open your Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter 13. So if you're in the service sheets, that's just um, uh, page nine there. Uh, this is Matthew chapter 13, so it's one of the Gospels, and this is Jesus telling a bunch of stories. Uh, Jesus is famous for telling parables. Parables are little stories that are just packed full of meaning, and there's a cluster of them here. Now, here's what I want to show you today. This is a season when I believe that the Lord is calling us to recalibrate our lives to the value of Jesus Christ. Now, why do I say that um, uh, and what does it mean? Well, we'll talk about what it means in just a, a minute, but here's why I say that. The first reason I say that, that Jesus is recalibrating us to his value in this season, or at least that's what he wants to do. Um, the first reason I say that is that's um, what the passage tells us. And so we're gonna look at that in just a second, but here's another reason I say that. 
Um, all of us, it seems to me, are living through a season of pretty significant disorientation. I can't really think of a better word than the word disorientation, but do you know what I mean? So some of us are experiencing acute disorientation, even distress. Others of us are experiencing more low-grade disorientation. We're just kind of, we just don't know where we're at. Maybe we're not feeling uh, deep and profound and acute distress, but it's just, we're living through a bizarre, strange moment, and, and it's confusing. And, and it seems to me that um, at the beginning of the pandemic, you can tell me if, if you think this is right, at the beginning of the pandemic, it felt, a, there was a bit of camaraderie, kind of felt like we were all in it together. Um, because it kind of felt like there was one big problem we were all facing, and that, and that was the virus. But as um, month followed month, and as crisis after crisis slammed into each other, so not just the virus, but the economy, and not just the economy, but the political chaos, and not just the political chaos, but, but, but a, a new realization of racial injustice in vivid ways, or at least um, more widespread realization of these things, um, and as many of us go month after month without work, all of that and much more combine together to show us that we are just deeply disoriented. And many of us, we don't know which way is up. Uh, we don't know really what has happened. We don't understand the significance of it yet. We don't know where we're going. I don't think anybody does. And we just don't know what it all means. And we're disoriented. Do you know what I mean? Now, stay with me for a second, because imagine um, that that you're a Christian. Now, not all of us on this call are Christians, but a lot of us are. Imagine that you're a Christian and you're experiencing terrible disorientation. And some of us won't have to imagine that because you're in there. Now, at some point, as you experience significant disorientation, you're going to ask the question, maybe you are right now, is Jesus worth it? Now, you probably don't articulate it that way, right? But if you look at the heavier parts of your soul, inevitably, you're going to end up asking, is Jesus worth it? You, you know, behind every single temptation that a Christian experiences, there's the question, is Jesus worth it? Is Jesus worth this obedience? Or is he overplayed and I should just do whatever it is that I want? Behind every temptation is the question, is Jesus worth it? Behind every doubt is the question, is Jesus worth it? Is he going to come through for me? Is he real? Underneath a lot of the despair and the depression that we experience is the unspoken question, is Jesus worth it? Is he going to show himself faithful in my life in this particular situation? And, and even if you're not a Christian, uh, the question, is Jesus worth it, is one of the most important questions that you could possibly ask because that's the question you need to answer in order to determine whether or not you should follow Jesus. So we are all of us faced with the question, even if we're not articulating it this way, is Jesus worth it? And today, what I want to say, perhaps not surprisingly, Emmanuel, is that Jesus is worth it. That Jesus really is worth it. And in fact, the key to thriving beyond our present experience of disorientation, the key from mo for moving from disorientation to a place of new freedom and deeper joy is recalibrating our lives to the surpassing value of Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to talk about today. All right.
go to the passage and look at uh, verse 45. So uh, Jesus is famous for teaching through parables, these little stories. A parable is a story that unveils a truth that none of us would have figured out without it. Now listen to this story. Verse 45, Jesus tells this short parable. It says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Okay, simple story, but in your imagination, enter into it. Um, in your imagination, I want you to uh, think of yourself as a pearl merchant 2,000 years ago. Now, what in the world was that like? Well, I don't know, but here's a few things. The one thing that we know about pearl merchants at this time is that you had to really want pearls in order to be a pearl merchant. So here's what I mean. Um, your job as a pearl merchant is um, to go to the beach. Uh, at that time, my understanding is that it was mostly in the Red Sea or the Persian Gulf. You would have to dive into the water, no mask, no goggles, no scuba gear, no snorkels, no swimming equipment of any kind. You dive into the water, you swim down to the bottom of the ocean, you find oysters, you uh, avoid drowning, you bring them back up and you check to see if there's a pearl inside. And then you sell them. Now, you have to really want pearls in order to be a good pearl merchant because it's dangerous work, um, it's hard work, and you might die. You really have to want those pearls. But now, imagine that, imagine that you're not just in it for the money. <clears throat> imagine that for you, this is not just a business, it's a vocation. Imagine it's a calling, it's a passion. You want pearls, not just for the money, but for their beauty, maybe their intrinsic value, their aesthetic. You desire the perfect pearl, and that's the thing that drives you. And therefore, um, well, and, and, and then imagine that your career has advanced a little bit, and you don't, you're not the one that's actually diving for the pearls anymore, but, but now other people dive for the pearls. They work for you, and your job is to buy and sell the pearls that people collect. But part of your job is you are always looking for the perfect pearl. You're, you look at each one and, and you evaluate each one, you judge each one, you critique each one. And, and each time you look at a pearl and you look at thousands of them, each time you look at one, you're getting a clearer idea of what the perfect pearl would be if you could ever find it. And then one day, you're in the market, you're looking at each one, and finally you see it. Imagine you find the perfect pearl and, and you look at its shape and you look at its color and then you test its weight and you realize it's, it's a robust pearl and you feel its perfect spherical shape. And then all of a sudden it dawns on you, you are looking at the perfect pearl and you realize that all those years of diving for pearls, and all those years of investigating each pearl and all those years of buying and selling pearls, it was all of it for this moment. Each pearl you ever desired and every pearl you ever studied, all of them were preparation for this moment so that you could recognize the perfect pearl. This final pearl is the fulfillment of all your previous desire. 
And therefore you do the only thing that makes sense. You sell everything you have and fully invest in this one perfect pearl and you find yourself utterly satisfied by its surpassing value. Okay, now that is the Christian life. What do I mean by that? Well, here's what it means. The Christian life is all about discovering that Jesus fulfills our deepest desires. The Christian life is all about discovering that Jesus's value is so great that he surpasses all our capacity to even desire him. Now that, that may be obscure, so let me say it very differently. Um, you and I, and all of us, uh, we are a bundle of competing desires, are we not? Uh, we all want stuff, right? And, and those desires that we have drive us. They, they motivate us. And, and they motivate us at, at, on a small scale. So, you know, for instance, um, this morning you got up and, and maybe you had a, a, a cup of coffee or, or breakfast. Why? Well, if you had breakfast, you probably had breakfast because you were hungry, right? That's a desire that motivates you. You desire and value food. Um, that desire motivates you to eat, right? Simple, obvious. That's true at a small scale, but it is also true at a larger scale in our lives. We have these desires that move us to pursue big things like success in your career and intimacy in relationships and a thousand other things. We're driven at a fundamental level. We are all of us driven by desires. There are things that are valuable to us and therefore we chase them. And this explains actually uh, part of why we're so disoriented right now. Um, we're disoriented right now, at least in part, because all of us have lost something that we value. Uh, we've lost things like jobs. We've lost friends. Some of us have lost a, a feeling of security or a feeling of comfort or some of the things in our society and our world that we thought were uh, rock solid are all of a sudden not rock solid anymore. And some of us have lost community. We've all of us lost these things that we value. Each one of us have lost something different from another very often, but we've lost these things that we value and therefore it feels like our life has been turned upside down. But we're disoriented because we are all of us driven by desire. There are things we value, we chase them. When, we, when they're taken away from us, we feel disoriented. Now, the bold claim of Christianity, friends, is that those desires, that complex bundle of competing desires that is in, within your own soul. Those desires are given with a purpose. They're not just meant to motivate us in the immediate experience of this life. Those desires, our deep desires, are meant to drive us beyond the little pearls of this life so that we ultimately discover the supreme pearl in Jesus. We're a bundle of complex competing desires. And that has been given to us 
in part as a gift so that we will not stop searching and seeking until we find the one person that can fulfill all of our deepest desires. And the bold claim of Christianity is that Jesus Christ is that person. Now, let me point out a couple things. As I've said, all of us are feeling some degree of disorientation right now. It's partially because we've all lost things that we value or we fear the loss of things that we value. And so for some of us, it feels like the world is caving in. For others of us, it's much less dramatic than that. It, it feels like we're in this kind of half-life where we're just confused. Now, what I want to say, Emmanuel, is that this is a crucial moment. This is a moment when we get to learn that even the best things in this life are temporary. Even the very best things in this life are little pearls and they're great as far as they go, but they come and they depart. And part of what makes this experience of disorientation really important is that this is a moment when it becomes clear that they come and they go. And therefore, we get this unique opportunity to see that we must invest all the more in the one pearl that never fades and the one pearl that is beyond all value. This is the time when we get to recalibrate our lives to the value of Jesus Christ. And friends, that is the meaning of our disorientation right now. We're disoriented because we've lost things that are valuable. We'll be reoriented when we recalibrate our lives to valuing Jesus above everything. That's the meaning of the season we're in right now, or at least a great deal of the meaning. Or let me change it around a little bit. Um, some of us are being tempted, you know, good old fashioned temptation to sin, right? We're being tempted to uh, mute or modify the teachings of Jesus or Jesus's moral commands. Old fashioned temptation. Others of us are being tempted by despair or resentment. We look at the world and we think, um, things I used to trust have failed, government has failed, or, or the church has failed, or society is unjust, or my life is falling apart in one way or another, and therefore I'm in despair, or I'm resentful, or I look around and it just appears that everything is bad, and it leads me perhaps to ask the question, maybe Jesus doesn't work and maybe he's not worth it after all. Can you identify with any of this? And for some of us, we're just scared. Some of us were just spinning up, spending the night worried about our, our bills or other really important things. Does any of that, can you identify with any of that? Okay. Fear and despair and doubt and temptation, all of those things feed off the question, is Jesus worth it? Is Jesus really valuable? Can I really trust Jesus? Is he all that he claims to be? And I know we never articulate it that way, okay? But that question lives and lurks beneath our pain. And if you want to defeat fear and despair and doubt and temptation, then the key is to rediscover the surpassing value of Jesus. And I want to encourage you 
to interpret part of your experience in this season in that way. Here's what I mean. I want to encourage you to think like this. I am experiencing pain, temptation, doubt, fear, resentment, and all of the tension that goes with that in part because God wants to show me that Jesus is the only one that finally, fully, deeply, completely satisfies. Part of what God is allowing you to do is feel this tension, even sometimes this misery, so that he's helping you to not settle for stupid little pearls when he actually wants to give you himself. Now, I can hear somebody coming back at me and saying, Jim, I hear you saying that Jesus is supremely valuable and so forth and, and things like that, but honestly, I don't see it. He doesn't look all that valuable to me. And if that's you, thank you for the question. Well done. Um, let's think about another story in our reading. Do you notice how Jesus tells the story of the mustard seed? Um, so a mustard seed, I don't know anything about plants, but apparently a mustard seed is small and apparently insignificant. But things are not always as they seem. When you plant the mustard seed and you give it some time, water it, stuff like that, it grows and it becomes big and impressive. And Jesus says, that's the way the kingdom of God always works. And let me, let me point out the most obvious example of this. Think about Jesus dying upon the cross. In that moment, he did not look impressive. In fact, for his disciples, they looked at that and they, they experienced wild disorientation precisely because they're like, oh my goodness, Jesus is dying on the cross, ends up he wasn't worth it. He's a little mustard seed. However, it ends up things are not always as they seem. Because despite all appearances, while Jesus was dying upon the cross, in that very moment, he was sacrificing himself. He was giving up everything so that he could buy something that he valued very, very much. What did Jesus value? Well, he valued his father above all. And God the Father desired to be reconciled to his enemies. And God the Father desired not only to be reconciled to his enemies, he desired that his enemies might become his adopted children. And therefore, when Jesus was dying upon the cross, he was giving all that he is. He was fully divesting and investing his life so that you and I might end up his treasured possession. And when he was dying, in that moment, he didn't look impressive. He looked like a little mustard seed that was getting planted, quite literally planted in the ground. But give it time, namely three days, and everything changed. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, he rose from the dead with the authority to grant amnesty to his enemies and to adopt them into his family. And through that death that looked so futile and so meaningless and was so disorienting, nevertheless, in that very moment, Jesus laid the groundwork so that over the course of the centuries to come, billions of Christians from wildly diverse divergent moments in history and wildly di different cultures and ethnicities and times and languages and social standings could all of us together look at Jesus and say, he is my pearl of great price and my life is fulfilled with meaning when I know him. The mustard seed starts small, but it ends up big and impressive. Don't be fooled by little things. 
And it's not just that. Because Jesus tells another story, the one about the fishing. And what we learn there is that one day when all of our lives are finished, Jesus's value will become indisputably clear. And that's, that's what the story of the fish is all about. So Jesus says that fishermen go out and fish, they catch fish, they keep the good ones and they throw away the bad ones. And Jesus is saying that the day is gonna come when Jesus will apply his perfect justice. Don't you desire justice right now? Of course you do. Aren't you wanting to know, we just we sang a song about this earlier, aren't you wanting to know when justice will finally be done? Friends, that desire for justice means many things, but part of what it means is that desire for justice was meant to lead you to Jesus Christ, you and me. Because when you look at Jesus, you find the one who will finally ensure that justice will be fulfilled in the end. In verse 41 in this chapter, which we didn't read, um, Jesus says that all causes of sin and lawbreakers will be thrown into fire, uh, which put differently, Jesus will ensure justice wins in part by quarantining everyone who's allied to evil outside God's presence for forever. And that means, on the one hand, that we can be sure that justice will win in the end. And in that moment, everyone will see Jesus's value. It will be indisputably clear at that moment. But it also means, and this is scary, a day will come when it will be too late to gain Christ as your treasure. Or put differently, you and I, we were designed to value Jesus. And that's where real meaning and significance comes from. And Jesus gave all that he is to give us himself, however it is tragically and frighteningly possible to prefer little futile pearls in this life and miss Jesus entirely and end up in eternal futility where the disorientation that we taste now is just the first appetizer in an eternal disorientation. And therefore, that brings us to the great urgency of now. Because this is the moment when we must recalibrate our lives to the value of Jesus. And Jesus wants to allure you to himself. Emmanuel, there is joy on offer in valuing Jesus. Um, did you know what, what motivated Jesus to go to the cross? Have you ever thought about that? What motivated Jesus to go to the cross? Well, many things, but Hebrews chapter 12, we didn't read it, but Hebrews chapter 12 says it was joy. It was for the joy set before Christ that he endured the cross. And the same is true for us. We value Jesus by surrendering ourselves entirely to him. Every part of our lives, our career and our money and our hopes and our dreams, our, our, our holding fast to our own innocence, we surrender that. Uh, we give up the right to determine right and wrong for ourselves. We surrender our relationships and our families. We even surrender our pain and our doubt and our temptation and our suffering. Why would we surrender all of that to Jesus? What in the world could motivate us to surrender all of that to him. And the answer, friends, is joy. Verse 44 says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. And then, note, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. 
Emmanuel, Jesus, in the midst of this disorientation, is saying there is joy. Joy in rediscovering the value of Jesus. Joy in recalibrating our lives to the value of Jesus. So Emmanuel, do that. Recalibrate your life to valuing Jesus above all. And that will be our path from disorientation to joy. And in the end, we will look back on this season, difficult as it is, but we will be able to say it has not been futile. And we did not suffer in vain. But with the Apostle Paul, we'll be able to say that we don't consider the present suffering worthy to be compared with the value and the glory that will be revealed when Jesus Christ comes. And there will be no regret. So Emmanuel, do not lose heart. Treasure Christ and sell all for him. Amen. Hello, everyone. My name is Jim Saladin. I'm the rector here at Emmanuel Anglican Church. Uh, our church exists to see and describe and reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ for the flourishing of our city. And I hope this podcast encouraged you in that way towards Christ. If you're here in New York City, we'd love to see you. Please join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Generosity drives everything we do at Emmanuel. And if you'd like to contribute, please visit www.emmanuelanglicannyc.com give.